We're, we're talking about thriving with opportunities. And we do that with the confidence knowing that God knows exactly what is best for us, that he has the perfect plan for us. He has made each one of us, not only in his image, for his glory. He has made each one of us with a particular purpose. He has a plan that is at work in our world. And he's calling us, enabling us to be a part of it. And we don't always understand the details. We don't always like where we are in the story. But here's what we always know. God is with us. God is for us. God is in control. And because God is in control and he loves us and he is for us and he is with us, we can be a people in any and every circumstance who are thriving. What is thriving? Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God. The contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. To understand this, we are studying the book of Nehemiah. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to Nehemiah chapter 3. That's where we finished off last week, uh, Nehemiah chapter 3. And you'll notice there that the, the people are stepping up and they are serving God's cause. Each one taking a segment of the wall and now beginning to do the work. Our text today teaches us that we need to expect opposition. These people were doing what God told them to do, but it wasn't easy. They were right where they were supposed to be, but it was hard. And we need to understand that in a dark world, people and children of light are, are going to face, we're going to face opposition. But by the grace of God, we can overcome it. And that's what our text teaches us today. It teaches us to look up, to be very aware, honestly, of opposition, but then to overcome it. Every challenge we face, every challenge we face is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow in the grace that God gives. It's an opportunity to fulfill what God wants to do with and through our lives. Helen Howarth Limmel. That's maybe not a name that, that, that you know, but you should. You should because I, I, I assure you, most of you have been ministered to by her. She was on the outside looking in. She seemed to have it all. She was a trained musician, beautiful, trusted. She went to Europe to study and there she, she met her husband, a very wealthy man. But then she lost her eyesight which caused her husband to leave her, which left her in Europe blind and poor. But she turned to Jesus. She found saving grace. And that transformed her life. That relationship with God transformed her life. And she spent the, the remaining years of her life, the 98 years of her life, the rest of those years were spent serving and writing hymns for Jesus. And in 1922, she wrote, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look at these words. Think about the fact that this was written by a lonely, blind, poor woman. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and grace. Over the years, how many of you have been blessed by that song? How many of you have thought that or sung that song in your heart in a hard time? I know I have. That song came through hardship. That song came through a life that was facing opposition and difficulty. The woman who said, turn your eyes upon Jesus was blind, but she knew where to look because God worked in her life. Friends, we're gonna face opposition, but through Christ, we can overcome. Our text today teaches us to expect opposition and it shows us how to overcome it. So now let's go over to chapter four. Last week we finished in chapter three. Now today we're in chapter four. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. I'm gonna read verses one through nine, uh, but I'm gonna teach through the entirety of the chapter, God willing. Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes. What are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sinbalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted, they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever, amen? Amen, if you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. The people were committed to God's cause. They were hard at work. In the midst of doing what God called them to do, they began to face opposition. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, all these armies were standing against them. Now let's look at the, let's look at the development. Go back to chapter two, look in verse 10. Let's look where this began. Here is Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, come to Jerusalem on this mission trip to build the wall. And when there was word uh, that this was happening, verse 10, when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard it, it displeased them greatly. They were upset. Now go to verse 19. They, they first were upset, but then they begin to intimidate. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant of, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us. They started trash talking. They, they started uh, making accusations. What is this thing you were doing? Are you rebelling against the king? In other words, are you committing a crime? We think you might be committing a crime. We think you're committing a crime. You should stop what you're doing. It's a crime. That's how it develops. What we see in our text today is significant because what we see now is they are now coming against them 
physically. They mean now to cause physical harm with armies to attack. Friends, Jesus told us plainly in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As followers of Jesus, we overcome because the victory has been won by Jesus already. That is our theme for Easter. Uh, When you see the V, I'm sure people are going to ask you, what's that V? It's for victory. So we have 13 services on this campus. When you you add all the services in all the languages, this Easter we will have over 20 services where we will be celebrating the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death. Now, if you want to come on Thursday night or Saturday night and we want you to, you got to register because we we need to know that you're coming. We're going to have services in here and in the chapel. Sunday morning, you can come, come as you will, uh, because we're confident with the rec center that we're going to have plenty of space. If you can't sit in here, we'll have you sit in there, because we know we can fill that whole room up, socially distanced, of course, and and we'll be fine on space. And and so please prepare yourself appropriately. But but as as we think through what God is doing, think about the stories Think about the, the, the stories of, of, of Helen Limmel, of the apostles, of the prophets, of Nehemiah, of all those for the centuries who have walked with Jesus. Friends, we may lose our eyesight or health. We may have people come against us and seek to stop us and harm us. And we may face persecution. But make no mistake about it. Nothing can stop God. Nothing can stop God. Nothing can stop God from guiding us. He's guiding us. He's always guiding us. Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and they, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from, from before the people. There's nothing that can stop God. Dark can't stop God. Light can't stop God. Nothing can stop God. He's always guiding us. He's always loving us. Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can stop God from guiding us. Nothing can stop God from loving us. Nothing can stop God from comforting us. 2 Corinthians 1, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted. God knows us. And he comforts us. Nothing can stop God from guiding us, from loving us, from comforting us, or from blessing us. Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus has already blessed us with everything we need in life. With every challenge we're going to face, we can know we've already received the blessings. And we are going to be in battles. If you're walking with Jesus, every day is going to have a fight. Friends, understand your enemy. 
understand the spiritual battle that we're in. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We're always going to face opposition, especially if we're doing God's will, especially if we are pursuing God's cause. We are children of light. If you have repented and believed the gospel, if you, and I think you've seen this, I hope you studied it a little bit, the three circles, I'm not giving you a quiz this week, but I hope it humbled you a little bit last week. If you're going to repent and believe the gospel and pursue and recover God's design, it's in pursuing and recovering God's design that you shine as the light. And when you shine as the light, the darkness is going to come against you. Expect the darkness to come against you. Expect it and then overcome it. Well, how do you do that? How do you expect it and how do you overcome it? That's what we see in our text. Four things I want to encourage you to take note of. And the first one is this. Thriving people with opportunities expect criticism and overcome with faithfulness. The first thing to look for is criticism. We need to expect to be criticized as Bible-believing Christians. You need to expect to be criticized. You will be called backward for believing the Bible. I can remember days in, in, in high school, on into college, uh, as I began ministry, I couldn't believe how I was mocked for my belief, for believing the Bible to be the word of God. And friends, Christian faith begins there. Christian faith is made possible by the Bible. The Bible reveals the saving work of God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we do not have the Bible, we do not have Christianity. I, 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 want, I want to make sure you get that because there are those who are out there who are claiming Christianity as a name. Friends, without the Bible, you can't know what Christianity is. If you're not standing on the word of God, you cannot be standing on truth. And you will be called backward for saying something like that. We'll also be called unkind. We will be called unkind for stating what we believe. In California, there are currently three men who claim to be a family. And all three of their male names are listed on the birth certificate of a single child. This is called a thruple. This is a new battle. This is sinful on so many levels. But there are going to be those who will look at that picture and say, oh, how could you say that that's sinful? How could you say something so inclusive and something so beautiful? How, how can you say that? Friends, I don't say it. The Bible says it. I do say it, but I say it because the Bible says it. Well, you're just being unkind. Just being truthful. It's a sad day on Monday when the country's largest adoption and foster care agency, Bethany Christian Services, they need to change their name, announced on Monday that we begin providing services to LGBTQ plus people. They're real smooth about it. 
They didn't come out in opposition. What they basically did was they took their articles of faith and they, they simply removed the definition of marriage. They had approved the, 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 a very similar statement that, that we've recently approved in our articles of faith in 2018, three years ago. But because of criticism, they've removed that. And I will say that they are no longer Christian. They may be services, but they are certainly not Christian as far as the scripture says. And to say that, there are those who will say, well, you're just being unkind. Friends, make no mistake about it. Jesus is very exclusive in his language about what a family is. Jesus said, for this reason, a man, a, a man, singular man, will leave his father and mother, biological male, biological female that gave birth to them or adopted that man, will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, biological woman, a man, a biological man, a, a singular man with a singular biological woman will be joined together and they will become one flesh and God willing, they will be blessed with children. And this is the way it works. This is what Jesus taught. But there are those who are going to say, that is so unkind. That's the criticism that we will hear as we stand on the truth of God's word, as we speak what is biologically accurate. And then as we go on to say that the one who made all things and sustains all things, Jesus Christ, he alone brings salvation. And there are those who will say, and, and as I have been said to me, you're arrogant. You're arrogant for saying that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Friends, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There is no other name, the Bible says, by which anyone can be saved other than the, it's just the name of Jesus. Again, the world will say we're unkind. The world will say that what we're, what we're doing is wrong. We will be criticized. Now, friends, here's what we've got to do. We've got to decide how we're going to respond to that. Are we going to cower? Are we going to say, oh, we don't, we don't, want, we don't want anybody criticizing us. We better, we better just be quiet. We better just, we better just kneel before the moral revolution. We might get in trouble. Friends, before the criticism comes, you need to decide not only what you're going to say, but really what you're going to believe about it. You need to decide now what you're going to do. I love what Nehemiah did. You know what they did? The first thing they did was pray. When that criticism came, they began to pray. And this was an uh, imprecatory prayer. Uh, imprecatory psalms are, are very interesting psalms. It means to, to bring about a curse. It's to ask for not a blessing, but a curse. And this is not for revenge. This is to explain that God hates evil, that he is sovereign over all, and he has protection for his chosen people. We, we are to pray and to pray truthfully according to God's word. And there are times for an imprecatory prayer uh, based upon the imprecatory psalms. Not only were they praying, they were serving Look at verse six. So we built the wall and there was, they were making headway. The parts were joining together. Friends, like never before, we've got to serve. We're needed in our city. We're needed in the church. Uh, we, we are being called by God. You know this to impact our homes, our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Friends, let me ask you, who are you praying for to be saved? Who's on your impact map? 
Who are you sharing Jesus with? Who are, you, who are you in conversation with about the saving work of Jesus Christ? How are you helping the lost people around you? Friends, we need help in our next generation ministry. I'm going to go up and see for myself in the next hour. What I'm hearing is we need greeters. We need leaders. We need people on the welcome team. Friends, the great need of our day is faithfulness to God and his word. Expect to be criticized, but overcome that criticism with faithfulness to God and his word and his purpose. Second, thriving people with opportunities. They expect attacks. Expect attacks and overcome with wisdom. We should never expect the darkness to be content with simply our discomfort. The darkness wants to remove the light. And if we're honest, the darkness has been very effective in silencing many of us, many hopers. The darkness has convinced us, convicted, convinced even sadly sometimes me, that the people we know that have not shown interest in the past are not interested in being saved from their sin and entering into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. If I'm honest, there's people that I've wrongly stopped praying for and stopped sharing with. They said, no, okay, I gotta move on. They said, no, there's, there's nothing else I can do. Friends, it took months for me to get saved. For some people, it takes years. One of our uh, pastors was praying this morning for a man he's been sharing with for, aggressively for three years. Who have you given up on? How has the darkness impacted you as it has me to convince you that you don't need to share with the people who've rejected in the past. The darkness is not only getting us to, to believe that, but it, it's, it's telling us that, hey, you know what? Spiritual conversations are uncomfortable and people aren't gonna agree with us and so we shouldn't have them. And, and honestly, God's word about judgment, you know, this whole thing about hell, I'm just not real comfortable with that. I don't think we should think about it and I don't think we should talk about it. Friends, we've gotta be true to the word of God. There, there's a real heaven and a real hell. And people are there and people are going there. And either we care about that or we don't. Either we believe the Bible or we don't. If we believe the word of God and we stand in the light, then it's gonna change the way we talk. It's gonna change the way we treat people. It's gonna change the way we think. Unless we're coerced by the darkness to be silent and we must be silent no more. We, we've got to expect attacks and then we've got to respond in wisdom. Look at how wisely Nehemiah and the people responded. They wisely were steadfast in their efforts. They, they didn't give up. They kept building. We must be steadfast in living the disciples' life. You know, what we're committed to and what you're going to read in our church covenant is, is, is outlined in, in this basic cross. At the center as we gather for worship, at the base we equip for growth, the arms, we serve the church and world, we, 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 we connect in a group and, and out of that comes this, this desire and this willingness to make more disciples. This is the disciples' life. We must be committed to it. They, they prayed, look in verse nine, and we prayed to our God. We must be steadfast in our praying. Pray for your neighborhoods. Pray for your kids' schools. Pray for your homes. Listen, get together and go pray with your neighbors. Go and, go and pray with your small group. Get in each other's houses, in your front yards. Pray for your homes. Prayer walk them. Go prayer walk your schools. Your children are back in school. Go prayer walk those schools. Ask God's blessing. Ask God's blessing on our city. Drive around the city praying for a revival, praying for awakening. Pray. 
When the church started, you go back in Acts, they were praying. And, and you know what's amazing to me? What's so convicting to me is, is what they prayed for. They did not pray that their lives would be made easier. I so often pray that. You know what they prayed for? I'll read to you what they prayed for. This is, see if you can catch what they prayed for. This is Acts chapter four, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Friends, what we need is not easier lives. What we need is boldness. We need to be willing to state the truth with love, to serve the need with gratitude, knowing that we are a part of what God is doing in the world. Let's not pray for easier lives. Let's pray for boldness. One of the boldest men I know is also one of the meekest men I know. His name is Moses Chand. He's in India. This man has literally walked thousands of miles. He has cast out more demons than, 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 than he can probably count. Over 12 years ago, there was a massive, massive persecution. 20 plus thousand Christians were killed. So what did Moses do? He contacted us and said, I need money. And we sent lots of it. And he went and bought bananas and blankets. That's all he could get. Bananas and blankets. And he found thousands of people hiding in the forest. Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. When there was danger, he didn't go hide. He went to the danger. And, and this, if you met him, you would realize he's one of the meekest men you'll ever meet. But oh, is he bold for Jesus. Friends, we need boldness. And they wisely set a guard. Look at verse nine. They set a guard as protection. Friends, we, we, we don't need to go looking for a fight, but we can't back down from it either. We must be ready like Nehemiah and the people. We gotta set a guard. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 12, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. For follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Friends, we've got to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus with Bible study and prayer. We've got to guard our marriages and family by spending time together, praying together, talking together, not allowing anger or sin to ruin those relationships. We've got to guard our friendships and look after each other. We've got to get together with the people in our small group. We've got to get men with men in fight clubs, women with men, women in these flourishing groups. We've got to get together with steadfast faithfulness to church, to prayer, guarding our hearts and minds. Those are wise choices, and that's how we, we overcome these attacks. Third, Thriving people with opportunities expect discouragement. Expect it. Expect discouragement and overcome with faith. It says in verse 10, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will, not, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So think about it. They're looking around them 
and there's too much to be done. Meanwhile, outside, there's enemies saying, we're going to come in and kill them. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us, look at that, 10 times, you must return to us. Come home, leave this mission trip, leave this mission field, get out of Jerusalem. What you're doing is dangerous. Just, just pacify the powers that be. Stop, stop putting yourself in a, in a place where there's opposition. Give in, give up. But they kept working. They arose and he said, look in verse 14, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is the great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Friends, there's going to be discouraging days. The people, they were beginning to falter. The work was heavy. You think about what happened in this last year with COVID-19 and and all the pressures. I cannot, there are so many of my friends pastors and missionaries who are stressed out some have resigned because of the pressures of the work nehemiah and the people that they had enemies that were discouraging them you know i I hate to think of the fact that that it may we've maybe come to a time when the government state and federal they're against us Do you realize that in our country there are still churches who can't gather to meet? But in those states, you can go gamble and you can go buy a beer. Maybe you can go to a ball game. You can't go to church. It's dangerous there. Friends, this is not right, but this is our world. The darkness is on the move. There's so much work to be done. It's overwhelming. There's so much brokenness and pain I know many of you have lost loved ones. We were talking just this week about some people we know, we can't believe it, that they're dead. We can't believe the mess that's been made by, by, by this pandemic. It appears there's more pressure coming against us to codify ourselves and basically relent, give up what we believe. And add to that, there's, there's people who are saying we ought to. You look at that in verse 12. 10 times the people said, give up. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to entering the, the ministry and, and for, for, uh, for young people or for leaders of any sort to, to go on the mission field, you know what the biggest obstacle is? Our families. More pastors and missionaries give up because their family and their close friends say, don't do it, it's too costly. I'll never forget the day I told my dad I was giving up everything else and I was going to go in the ministry. He took me out back for a talk. I was glad I was bigger than him. I promise I think he would have spanked me if he could. He was not pleased. But this is what happens when you decide to lean into what God is doing. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be criticism. There's going to be discouragement. Let's do what Nehemiah said. Look what he said. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters. Friends, be a voice of encouragement. Be a life of encouragement. I would say it this way. Be the kind of person that the saints want to see coming and that the devils and demons dread. Be the kind of person, when you're walking into a room, when you come into a place, 
that the saints say, oh, I'm glad she's here. Oh, I'm glad he's here because he's going to encourage me. He, he might pray for me. She's going to say something about what the, what the Bible says. She's going to maybe hum a hymn. There's going to be something positive that comes from these people. And make sure that when you walk into a room, the demons are like, oh, dude, here they come. This is bad. They're probably going to pray or something. They're probably going to say something positive. They're probably going to mention Jesus a few times. Oh, maybe, oh, not the gospel. Oh, no, three circles. Here we go. Make the demons dread seeing you come in. Last thing. Thriving people with opportunities expect surprises and overcome with preparation. You look in verses 15 through 23 and you see what's going on here. They returned to the wall. And from that point, point on though, <laughs> look at verse 16. Half of my, of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah they were, who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. <laughs> And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who had the trumpet, he's, Nehemiah said, he was next to me. He said, look, man, we're spread out. If somebody gets in trouble, blow it. If you blow the trumpet, say, I need help over here. And we got to be ready to go to wherever one another is and, and help as needed. Friends, when we pray and live as God's people, we will see God frustrate the plans of God. Look at verse 15. I love this. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan. <laughs> There's nothing more beautiful than seeing God frustrate the plans of the darkness. Friends, we can't do it, but God can do it. And he chooses to use us. How, do, how, does, that, how does that work? Well, we got to be ready. We got to be prepared. As we stand for God with hope each day, we frustrate the enemies of God. You got to expect surprise attacks. They were on the look. They were ready for an attack. Listen, you can't be paranoid, but you got to be prepared. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm rarely surprised anymore. I, I've had so many friends fall out of the ministry because of sin. Burnout. Unwise decisions. Now, I'm not surprised anymore with Bethany Christian services. I'm not surprised anymore with what I read in the paper. I'm not surprised anymore. You know why? I'm ready. Friends, don't, don't be surprised anymore when sinners live like sinners. I think our biggest problem as Christians is that we expect sinners to live like Christians. We ex people, expect people who don't believe the Bible, who claim to be Christians, to live biblically, to think biblically. When you don't believe the Bible, you don't think biblically. No matter you, whether you have a Christian tag on your name or not, on your church or not. We need to stop being surprised and start being prepared. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself every day. I prepare myself every day, buffeting my body. Push-ups, sit-ups, runs. You know what my body says? Sleep. Go back to bed. No, 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 no. This body's got to be beaten. I mean, you think it looks bad now. Imagine what it could look like, all right? Buffet your body. Move your mind with Bible study. Get your mind going early in the word. Encourage your soul with prayer. 
Connection with other believers. Fill your heart with songs of praise. This one kind of drives my family crazy because I have this thing. I don't know what it is. Um, whatever the last song I hear, I, I sing it and I hum it and I whistle it. And it drives people close to me crazy. I get it. It's really bad when I get like a hymn, like uh, a mighty fortress is our God. Because, you know, that's basically the same thing. I'll do that for an hour. And I won't even know it. That'll drive somebody crazy. But friends, fill your hearts and minds with truth. Fill your life with people who love the Lord. Be ready. Have your sword. Have your scripture. Having memorized it. Having prayed it. Send text messages to one another. Call each other. I, I, I think it's amazing when you look, look at verse 23. They slept in their work clothes. Say, look, we, we ain't got time to go home and change. Can you imagine what, how bad they stunk? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, I close with this. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's how you overcome opposition. Keep the armor on. Don't take it off. Keep the armor on. But you can only do that if you're thriving. Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. You will not do that if you're not a blood-bought child of the living God filled with the Spirit. You won't. You won't do it if you're not willing to sacrifice and to serve God's purpose. If you're looking for comfort, you're not gonna thrive. If you're looking for life to be easy, you're not gonna thrive. Thriving's hard. Oh, but it's blessed. Let's pray. Father God, I can't help but know that there are those here who are not thriving and some because they are not saved. And I pray that right now they will repent. They will tell you that they have sinned, that they're wrong. They'll believe that you, Lord Jesus, died to pay the penalty for that sin with your death. They will receive your grace and they will be saved. And that they will soon be baptized. God, I pray for brothers and sisters here who, like me, have, have grown up in an age when Christianity could be casual. Lord, wake us up to the fact that, that those days are done if they were ever real. We must, we must deal with opposition and overcome by the power of your word, the work of your spirit, and in the great name of Jesus. Friends, right there where you are, invite the Holy Spirit right now to speak to your heart. 
ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit if you're really engaged, if you are really fighting the fight, if you're in the armor, if you're doing the work. Or have you given up? Have you decided you want it to be easy? You don't want to deal with opposition. You want to be comfortable. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you and repent. Repent of laziness, of apathy, of indifference. Renew your faith commitment to Christ and His will. Father, what you call us to is hard, but it's blessed. What you called Nehemiah and the people to was hard, but it was blessed. Help us, God. We are your children. Father, we cry out to you. In the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.